Hey everyone, so this is going to be an updated version of the episode. In the old one, we did not include the Matt's manga mentions, but we did in this episode. So stay tuned for everything until the end. Uh, it will be the original episode as well, so there'll be talk as if there isn't Matt's manga mentions, but I promise you it's at the end. Thanks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Anime Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, alongside our my other co-host, Lance. Today, my adult beverage of choice is going to be a Dewar's 12-year. And then I've got my Line and Kugel's Wisconsin Lager. Uh, for all of our short flight listeners, you know I've been drinking that pretty regularly mm-hmm. li- recently. So I just kind of got it stocked up in the fridge right now. Lance, what are you drinking? Yeah, might as well keep that going if you got it. Today, I will be continuing to drink some New Riff Single Barrel, and I'll be chasing that back with a Lion and Kugel's Summer Shandy. Yeah, definitely got to enjoy that while we can. Summer's over now. Yes. I was just telling you right before we started, you know, I left uh, work early this morning at 1 a.m., fucking 28 degrees out. Summer's over, man. Gross. (laughs) It's officially donezo. Speaking of, I wouldn't say gross, but just not to my expectations. I don't remember not really being super thrilled about that do- that Doer's 12-year. I thought I enjoyed it last time. I'd, maybe, I don't know, something's yeah, off. We're getting too fancy now. <laughs> but I totally get what you mean because I used to think that Johnny Walker, double black, and just even regular black for that case. Yeah, I used to think that like Johnny Walker's double black was super good back then, and yep. that's what honestly got me into drinking whiskey straight you know like a like a manly man (laughs) and after all the shit that we've been experimenting with and enjoying going back to just that kind of johnny walker's like uh this that's not as good as i once remembered (laughs) yeah fortunately our palate's gotten a little too used to the better stuff not super high end i mean we're usually spending what like 50 ish dollars a bottle yeah somewhere between 50 and 60 bucks a bottle no, I guess the uh, best way of saying this is we've just been enjoying some good American bourbon. Yep. And that's what I'm good with. Yeah, I mean, I'm still enjoying some of the, the higher end scotch. Just we've definitely been chilling on that uh, bourbon recently. Mm-hmm. Huge difference. Oh, yeah. All good, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely no complaints. It, like I said, it, it's not bad. It was just like, oh, man, this is kind of not as good as what I've been drinking lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to kind of get back into our episode, Lance, you want to give us a quick synopsis for what we what we watched? Today, according to our title, if you haven't noticed, we are going to be covering Tokyo Ghouls Season 2 slash Route A, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I guess they're trying to push for Route A. And we continue to follow Ken Kaneki, where he has joined with Aogun. Giri Tree and his friends at Anteku. The season follows directly after the last scene from season one where the CCG is fighting Algiri Tree and Team Anteku is trying to escape with Kaneki. But of course we find out that Kaneki can take care of himself. So <laughs> uh, We also get to learn a little bit about a couple of our main characters past, more specifically the manager and a couple other employees that are there. And then we conclude our season with a small war, an all-out war with CCG versus the One-Eyed Owl, which is a pretty good scene altogether. Yeah, yeah, you could. Um, honestly, you could call it a war against Anteku. Basically, yeah, because everyone from Anteku is involved. 
Yep. Well, I don't even know if I'd go with everybody. It was because it was just the Devil Ape and Black Doberman. Yes, the Black Doberman, the Black Dog. Um, mm-hmm. Drawing a name, drawing a blank on her name. What a terrible person. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I didn't pay attention to either of their names. They were just coworkers there that were like just kind of there that had some kind of influence on them. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And yeah, it was just those two, including the the manager. And then all of the underlings of the two groups of the Devil Ape and the Black Dogs. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of cool. Before we get too far, Lance, can you give us that Lance's lesson? Today's Lance's lessons is going to be the Japanese word for baby, and that is. Akachan. That is spelled A-K-A-C-H-A-N. Akachan is a very commonly used word in the Japanese uh, subs. You're going to hear that quite often, but today it's going to be pretty relevant because the baby, the child of our manager is the true identity of the real one-eyed ghoul. So that's where I wanted to pull Akachan from. And all throughout the season... Especially the CCG, they bring up the one-eyed, uh, the one-eyed owl constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when Akira Mato, uh, Amon's underling, you could call her, wants revenge against the one-eyed owl, uh, you get all of the higher ups that want to revenge against the one-eyed owl. So obviously, this ghoul killed a lot of people, mm-hmm. and then is just a vital person when it comes to who the CCG are looking for. Yep. Very early in this season when they were fighting who we came to know, you know, Yoshimura, the manager, when he turned into his version of the one-eyed ghoul or one-eyed owl. Yep. And then we had the two senior investigators, uh, Shinohara and the other guy. Um, They're like, did you notice that the one-eyed ghoul was weaker than what we previously remembered? Yep. And then I don't know about you. But like, I know it's been a long time since I've seen this, and uh-huh. I I only remembered bits and pieces of season two and pretty much bits and pieces of re. But after he said that, I was like, oh, well, that's probably because, you know, Yoshimura is older now and he likes humans. So he was trying to protect them to begin with. So, of course, he's not going to be as powerful and he's holding back. But then, of course, we find that that's not the true case at the end of the season. So one thing I will say is I think that the higher ups fought against that one-eyed owl. Oh, you think he still they still fought against Yoshimura? I think they yeah, I think they fought against Yoshimura, but the ones that all of the like executives are out for is the one-eyed owl we see at the end, which would be his son. Okay. Or okay. well, his child, we don't know if it's a son or daughter. So you think that the CCG fought against both the owls and think- the, the ones that had the massive loss of men fought against the child yep. owl. And our two senior investigators, Shinohara and his other partner, specifically fought against Yoshimura. I think so, yeah. Okay. I think they've all fought in one or the other of the one-eyed owls. We know that they don't know that there are two of them because at the end you get the guy who is essentially the director of the operation mm-hmm. saying, wait, there's two of them? Right. And that obviously you can just take that as face value, thinking that they don't know that there's actually two of them. Right. And to help your case, when Shinohara came into the cafe, he's like, haven't I seen you somewhere before? Mm -hmm. 
maybe you can take that from the previous encounter when season two opened yep. slash season one ended, whatever, like that specific encounter. Yep. But at the same time, they made it kind of seem like maybe they remember each other from even further in the past. So that's where I where I can throw you a bone there. Yeah. And I mean, he kind of throws it off where he's like, oh, well, you've probably just seen me around town or something like right. that. I wanted him to say, like, I'm an old man. I've seen lots of people. <laughs> I've been around for a long time, man. Yeah, I mean, he could have, but right, maybe just didn't want to be too obvious. And it was, I guess you want to keep talking about the one-eyed owl since we're here? Yeah, keep going. Just ruthless. Like, the, re- the real one-eyed owl. The real just, one, yeah. Yeah, it's just fucking grabbing that. It's like, oh, I lost my arm. Here, let me just chuck up this body and regrow my arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so crazy. How much this new owl just did not give a shit about anything. Which, I mean, we find out why the owl doesn't give a shit about anything. Because, right. I mean, it'd be kind of hard to care about anybody when you got abandoned as a infant. Right. So, I, I really wanted to get more information about that. I It's been so long since I've watched Re. I don't even remember if you get any more background information on the one-eyed owl. I hope you do. But yeah, I'm on, I'm right there with you. It's been so long since I watched it, and yep. I watched it in Japanese. Yep. So it, for whatever reason, Tokyo Ghoul. Oh, I don't. Also, usually I don't have a problem reading Japanese and following the storyline, but Tokyo Ghoul had an issue. I had an issue with for whatever reason. Yep. And I think it was because it was way back in like Crunchyroll's days, and I was sharing an account with somebody. So I think when I was watching Tokyo Ghoul Re. I might have been jumping around episodes and not going <laughs> consecutively yep. in order. So maybe that's why my memory and thoughts on Tokyo Ghoul were so choppy because maybe I wasn't even following everything consecutively. Maybe I was jumping between seasons three and two and everything was just colliding. Maybe that 100% could have happened. I will say re at first is confusing because you're just like, wait, what? What the fuck's going on? So uh, I'll give you that one. But just to go back to season two, I was really hoping to get more information about the the one-eyed owl because it's like, hey, you got abandoned as a baby. You're still around. Mm-hmm. How? Yep. Like yeah, who? how? Exactly. Because it was left behind in like some kind of tunnel. Yep. And then how did it survive? Yep. Who, who took care of it? Um, yeah, because a baby's not going to be able to just munch on some humans. Especially as a ghoul, yeah. Because yeah. we all know that as Kaneki, you know, he's half a ghoul, and his ghoul half has completely taken over his human tongue, so he can't enjoy human food. Why would this born half ghoul enjoy anything other than human flesh already? If you kind of get that messed up in this. No, no, I'm following you. And, I mean, we know that... The mom had to ingest human flesh in order to feed the baby. Oh, is that what happened? I That's the only thing I could take away. Okay, okay. I'm glad you said that because that happened in episode 8 when we learned about Kuzan and the whole history behind what happens with the, ma- the manager and the baby. Yep. And then there was that one very specific scene I wrote down because um, the wife or the mother goes into a side room and the manager as a narrator says she did the unthinkable to nourish the unborn baby. And my first thoughts were she was going to let the baby feed on her. So I was like, okay, so the baby's going to eat the mother, but then she's in the next scene. Like, okay. And (laughs) the family's all together. Like, okay, so clearly the baby did not eat the mother. 
yep. what exactly was, was that. But I guess with you saying she consumed human flesh yep. to keep the baby alive inside the belly, that makes a lot more sense. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I'd be, I'm not 100% sure how that would work, but we, we don't have to break down the science. We'll just call it anime logic and call it a day. Yeah. Yeah, I guess she being like a wild dog or a wild wolf and eating raw flesh to pass through onto the baby. Or is she at least being a little smart and cooking it and putting nope. it down? Or No, they probably have to eat it. I think they have to eat it raw. I think ghouls have to eat it raw. Do they say that specifically? No, but... Like, what if you want some like grilled ground human taco or something? <laughs> With some some terrible cheese and <laughs> oh, we, I mean, we can get a little gross. Get a little little semen cheese, curl that stuff up. Oh, gross! Okay, I was just implying the fact that ghouls hate anything but human flesh. But okay, oh, I was just trying to make everything <laughs> human based. Okay, it didn't have to be semen. I guess it could have been titty milk or something. <laughs> I think that's probably a little bit more acceptable. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry to put that in your guys' minds. Anyway, uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting. Uh, I, I really don't have more to say about that, but well, I'm curious. I'm, I am really curious about how the baby survived, how the baby survived and who exactly it is. Yep. Um, I've seen not going off of what I remember of anything. I don't remember shit about season three <laughs> right now. So not rewatching season three and going off a tiny bit of rumors that i've gone off of um do you have any other i mean i have a small idea on who the true one-eyed ghoul is or owl do you have an idea or do you think it's someone yet to be even revealed yeah i don't think we know who it actually is do you have an idea who it is the only clue that i came up with or heard slash read was that the baby's uh the manager yoshimura's child's hair color was green okay and after reading that i went back to try to confirm in episode eight where they showed the baby in one scene they show that the baby has like super dark green hair okay and then in another scene it looks like it's almost brown slash black even like maybe a light black almost brown so it's really hard to decide whether the hair color is actually green or if it's just a natural you know asian black okay so if the green hair is true, then I would assume that it's going to be the book writer, Takatsuki, um, who is also the chicken. She's got that red robe and the bandages. She, she's she got those like ghoulish ear thingies on top. Um, yeah, she's, she, to she's the the writer. She's the green haired writer that yeah. uh, Hina, 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 Yes. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Whoops. She's she's the green-haired writer that Hinami meets up with uh, those couple times in the second season. Yep. And so you think it's her? Yeah. So if if that's the room, if that rumor is true, then that's who I think it is. Um. But like I said, I don't remember shit out of Tokyo Ghoul Re. So we'll see. Oh, Ito Yoshimura. Oh, it fucking says yo. Sorry, we're looking at a character sheet right here. Shares the same last name. Okay, so I guess that that's a ruined <laughs> thing right there. Okay, so it's clearly the writer. This character list. Yeah, I'm on 
Google's character list and it says Ito, Ito Yoshimura. So, oh man. So, all right. I guess that's confirmed right there then. Well, I don't know. Just because they have the same last name. Granted, I don't know how common Yoshimura is. Yoshimura. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, never know. I guess we'll see once we get around to Re in the future. Um, I'm good on the ghoul at this point. Yeah. The one eyed owl. I'm, I'm perfectly, yeah. I'm tapped out on, on that one. Um, do you have, a new favorite character slash continue with who just who's your favorite character in season two i i'm gonna say kaneki in season two he is not his whiny self that he was in season one i agree um i i really liked his he joined algiri tree basically to save his his friends slash family and i i thought that was very noble of him and really he just wanted to be a strong he knew he had to do this to get stronger mm-hmm. so so it's noble thoughts at least yep um toka because i'm pretty sure i said toka in the last season yep and, and I'm, i remember being right there with you she unfortunately does not get too much um screen time in this season and, so what, I, and what she does get it's nothing awesome like animation wise or yeah she doesn't really battle. get anything <laughs> Uh, the only thing she really does is study for school, take care of Hinami, basic things. So and Miss Kaneki, <laughs> yeah, and Miss Kaneki. Which I mean, that's kind of nice. That whole love interest because just um character development for her. Yep. Yeah, they totally slowed down on her in season two. That. Versus season one. Yep. Brought more of like a human side to her. Yeah. And that was super nice. I, I enjoyed that part of her. But as far as a uh, character for season two alone, no, she's definitely not my favorite anymore. What no, about you? Yeah. Toka definitely dropped dramatically for me as well. Yep. Um, Kaneki, he's fucking awesome. Love yep. him. Um, to throw out another variation, I would go with Juzo Suzia. Yep. Okay. Uh, I loved all the background that they gave him. Yep. I love like when they gave him the scythe and they gave him more of like a main character kind of role. Yep. I thought that was all great. I loved how they gave him come some like character building and the fact that like he started getting like humanistic care uh, emotions in the end when Shinohara was dying in the end because he had that memory of Shinohara being like, you know, if you died. I'd be sad. And then he had that memory when he's dying right in front of him. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't like this feeling. Yeah, I'm actually sad. Like, yeah. whoa, this this isn't just a... Just like another person dying of, you know, like people die. Like what they were saying in the uh, Academy days back yep. when he was younger. Yep. In season one where he's just like, well, no, I'm I'm not sad. It's just a, a person dies. Everybody dies. That was still season two. Was that season? Oh, I think, yeah, the very beginning of season two, right? Yeah, because that's when there was the introduction of the twins. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Now, now I remember. And so I, I thought that was very tear jerking, heartfelt moments for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely made him more relatable. Like, just you just felt good for him. Like, yeah, we've learned that he was being trained and raised under that creepy mama girl mm-hmm. in the arena to kill humans, so that all the rest 
of the ghouls and the gourmet arena can feast afterwards. Like it was all for show. And we learned that his reward was like some form of torture. Yeah. He, he got enjoyed. less, less torture by doing good essentially. Right? Yeah. So like he wanted more torture is completely opposite of what you naturally think. It was super weird. Yep. But yeah. And then the CCG uh, storms the place and adopts, suzu into their ranks or whatever so very interesting character that's for sure yeah yeah it's i mean yeah that was super fucked up like the whole part i'm wondering how the fat chick got out because she tripped and fell but then you see her in gourmet's um restaurant you could call it in in season season one one. Mm -hmm. yeah the new big fat guy with the axe yep yep yeah so somehow she escaped maybe Mm. do you think mama is a ghoul or do you think yes yeah, there's no way. Because if she wasn't a ghoul, she'd be eaten by then. Unless she just offered that much. She's super fucked up. Maybe they enjoyed it. Right? <laughs> yeah, maybe as long as she was providing, she was safe. Yeah, I could, could have see that. Gourmet being like, no, don't kill her. One, she's gross. <laughs> she's fat. You're not going to get anything off of her. <laughs> and two, she's providing us good entertainment. Right. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. So, yeah, it's, I I think she got out because she was a ghoul, though, not necessarily for anything else. Mm -hmm. One one thing that I've noticed as the seasons continue, and we get to learn more about other ghouls, like, season one was showing that, like, Kaneki, more specifically Rise, her Kagane was, it seemed like it was super rare because she was super powerful, like, the whole tentacle idea. And as we continue seeing other side characters, like, non-insignificant characters like that's a very common not trope but like a very common type of kagane is some form of a tentacle so her it wasn't the tentacle that made her special it was her regenerative ability that made her special okay so yes she was strong and that was good but then um her and kaneki had similar regenerative abilities but i think kaneki's was on like steroids compared to hers okay you think he just took it capitalized yeah you think it's because he had more willpower than she did like no i think it was all the half blood to do with everything okay i suppose i mean anime logic kind of stuff tries to always say like half bloods half breeds are always stronger than full yep and they talk about it in season one how the one-eyed ghoul is super strong because it's a a half breed Mm -hmm. oh which is fun to say because in that restaurant or not restaurant that bar Mm -hmm. with eatery and she was trying to explain that like there's a rumor that went around that there was a one a half ghoul birth yeah and that it's super rare yep and it's super rare because we get to learn in season two, like what you were saying, it's super rare because the mom had to eat uh, human flesh, flesh yeah, in order to keep the, the fetus alive. And I think, I do you think... If, it could, if that's the case. Yeah. Do you think it could work both ways? So if the mom was a ghoul, do you think she could get pregnant? I know where you're going with that. And I'm going to say it's going to be the same case either way. Okay. Uh, so if... It'd probably be easier if the ghoul was the female and she was the pregnant one because yep. she'd be eating. She would be eating humans normal. naturally. Yeah. So I think it'd be easier in that case. So yeah. So if that was going to be, why wouldn't more women find men to seduce to get pregnant to uh-huh. produce super insane offspring? Exactly. But what? Just to kind of um, throw a wrench in that, we find out that you know they they don't work well in teams. 
So Algiri Tree works only because they have a common goal in the fact that they want to essentially destroy, they want to be more powerful than humans and they want to destroy the CCG. But within the ranks, you already saw division and people wanted to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, they just don't play well together. So I think that's what it, why. So they don't, they don't have that team up. Let me produce strong offspring mentality. At least until we get to Algiri Tree. Yes. That's the only like true. Okay. So we have Algiri Tree and then we have Anteku. And then those are the only true uh, teams of ghouls that know how to work together because there's a good set of commands somehow well the, the what just you do have the devil ape group and the black dog group mm. but for the most part those groups seem kind of small algiri tree was the only big organization right and that was i would say that's basically because they had someone super fucking scary like well they had um the one-eyed ghoul no no, no. They had someone's, they had Jason. They, they had, had Jason. They had the three individuals that were, technically they had four. The, they had your favorite from, well, not really your favorite, but the person you wanted to know more about. Oh, uh, Toka's brother? Oh, no, no, Noro. Noro? Noro, the guy with, uh, he had a white face mask on with a big ass smile and no eyes. And yeah. I wanted to see more about him in season two. And we literally saw a snapshot of him in season two. <laughs> uh, so you had him, you had Toka's brother. I've drawn a blank on his name. Um, yeah. We have like Akiri, Akiro, Akira, Akira, I think it's Akira. Is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of variations of like the AK. Um, and then you had the one guy that the clown. Oh no! Well, I was I didn't want to. Okay, I only kind of sorry. I jumped. Oh, Ayato. Is that Ayato? Ayato is the brother. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Nico, I brought up. That's the clown guy. Sorry, Can, I, I I brought him up because he was a big question mark for me. Like they show him with Noro. Noro is the the question mark guy, right? No. Okay. Noro is a question mark, but Nico is also a question mark. Nico was that very flamboyant. Oh yeah, that guy. Okay. I don't want to make this in a bad way, but he came off like kind of gay and he was stabbed by Jason in season one. He's like, yeah, he calm, was... calm down, honey. We'll do this when we get home. We'll continue this when we get home. Yep. And then like episode one or two of season two, he puts on a clown mask and he says, clowns always get the last laugh. And then he fucking disappears for the rest of the season. <laughs> so I want to know exactly what the fuck that's all about. <laughs> clowns are always interesting yep and then nothing fucking happens so i want to know what happens with nico and whatever is behind him because clearly he knows more people so yeah i want to know more about nico so okay so that was just another person that was part of jason's crew yes and then you had um the other individual um the other leader i'm trying to find him what, like Bonjo? No, not Bonjo. Um, the one who basically they were reporting to. Oh, Tatara. Is it Tatara? He's got white hair. He's got a red mask on. Yep, Tatara. Yep. Yeah, that. he he's like walking. He was always nonchalantly walking around, just taking shit and then throwing it back. Yep. He seems super ass powerful, and we have yet. It doesn't even look like he's putting that much effort into anything. Well, he's definitely not putting any effort into anything. You can right. see it. And so you had those four leaders. And then once Kaneki killed Jason, J he took over for basically Jason's group mm -hmm. is what I assumed. Right. Well, yes and no, because 
I don't think he was the brains behind everything that was going down. I think he was more of the muscle that was going down. Yeah. Because I couldn't, I can't see Kaneki being the one being like, hey, um, I don't remember what that dude's name is that they broke out of that truck. Yeah. He's like, the guy who was crying over Jason, he was like, how do you spell his name? And he's got like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he was the one behind breaking him out. And I don't think he was the one behind breaking out that shirtless dude with the very Chinese mustache at the bottom of the CCG area. The one that just kicked Kaneki's ass. Fucking kicked his ass like it was no big deal. This character sheet is saying... Ma- Matas- Matsuka. Yep. Matasaka Kamishiro. Yes. And he had, his Kagure was like one big ass tentacle that like had like a split tongue at the end. And yep. he was just kicking Kaneki's ass the entire time with, and he was barely even trying. And then he whips Kaneki into like through a wall into a room full of a bunch of like skeletons and bones and whatnot, which is another scene I want to talk about. Okay. Um, let's kind of, well, I'll talk about that if, if yeah. after I'm trying to think. So yeah, it was just, I don't remember where I was going. So we can just kind of continue yeah, on. Sorry. So what do you want to talk about? Yeah, sorry. My train was going and <laughs> I, I just kept following my own train. Sorry, I threw no, you off. No, you're good. Okay, so at that scene, we got Kaneki versus the Kamishiro. The get his ass kicked and then boom, Kaneki gets thrown into a room of a bunch of bones. And then he starts getting scared, cries, and starts like eating bones or something like that. While at the same time, Kamishiro is being face-to-face with that bandaged-up girl. I was like, hey, do you want to see Risei? Come with me. What the fuck was that all about? And then we never see him again. Yep. But at the same time, we're flashing back to Kaneki, going crazy, like, I have to save my friends back at Anteku, and I'm going to start getting crazy. And all of a sudden, he starts growing this weird, ghoulish nose. Like, <laughs> he starts hollifying himself <laughs> throw some bleach into this and then he just fucking bursts out of nowhere and then he goes and fights oh shit who does he fight uh he Everyone fights knows. amon well no he fights um amon's um his leader he fights juzo versus twins wing brother versus investigator evolved kaneki versus investigator two kagures <laughs> Centipede question mark. Sounds like a hollow. <laughs> That's what I wrote. <laughs> okay, so... Um, okay, so through a little bit of my reading of notes... Hold on. Hold on, I might have found him. Oh, it's I just... Right there. He's fighting... Um, Ayo... Sh- Shinohara. Was it Shinohara? Okay. I think so, because it was when Shinohara activates that shield Kagure. Okay. That is... Uh, Toka and Ayato's father. And then that's why Ayato lost that fight was because, you know, he started getting emotional. Like, oh, my God, this is where my father's been all along. And then here comes crazy-ass Kaneki bursting through the walls, beats Shinohara's ass. Yep. If it's not Shinohara. No, it is Shinohara because he's only like, he, he, whatever. Um, Beats his ass. And then Kaneki starts eating Shinohara's armor, which is technically, you know, Toka's father's kagure. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's a Kagure, which will then allow him to uh, get those abilities. Right. And it it's basically a, a live Kagure that was feasting off of the human blood yep. to increase output of power, basically. That's what the whole suit is for. Yeah. So all, for anybody that doesn't remember, all Kagures are alive. Oh, yeah. That's another thing I wanted to bring up. Um, in season one, when Mato has that uh, 
that chain whip kind of thing. Yep. And then there's a quick scene where you see that like it soaks up blood. Yep. And for the longest time, I was like, what the hell is the point of that scene? And it's because ghouls need blood and human flesh to survive. Yep. So these suitcase weapons are also going to need blood yep. to continue to survive. So, yeah, so all this stuff just starts to flow together. Yeah, so it, it's the... Which is why in order to get them they have to defeat the ghoul while their cagre still functional while they're using it it has to be used in battle so they have to be using it in the moment in which they die or get captured or whatever they do okay so it's not just like taking their like ac count or whatever they're called the rc count rc count and then like feeding it blood to activate it no they have to be using it um i know they make mention in it of it i don't remember if it's season one or season two uh i think it's actually uh motto makes uh is talking about it maybe i mean i didn't catch on any of that i just assumed as long as they get that sack yeah they can just activate it because how else will you keep something so giant in a suitcase yeah so they the pretty sure that's what they do uh, because they talk about in the manga how the button basically activates the kagure yep and the but they must have basically like chop it off the body of the ghoul in order to get it right because i guess that would bring into another question when juzo gets his scythe that scythe is made from jason yep and he names it jason juzo names it juzo's jason which is a very weird name to name a scythe well it's juzo so it's kind of yeah so he's already out there (laughs) so yeah okay so juzo gets the scythe made from jason and we know that kaneki ate his rc sack or his uh kagane yeah he ate his kagane so that's why we get to see that kaneki has that centipede tentacle that comes out of him but at the same time juzo was also able to get enough of jason to make the scythe out of like like how do how do two people get abilities out of the same person if they didn't have to split something i don't know it's well his um kagura not kagura uh his what are their weapons called drawing a blank queen k yeah they're so juzo's queen k really didn't have any abilities it was just a scythe right that's like it was just a really fucked up looking scythe that's what i was gonna get at like uh, oh shit what was that anime where there was that crescent moon in the way and there's uh soul uh, eater soul reaper soul soul eater soul eater off of fire force yeah and yeah. yeah i think it was soul eater yeah it just reminded me of that series because every like a couple people use scythes and yeah it's soul eater soul yeah, so eater that, yes so that scythe just instantly reminded me of that but yeah Juzo's scythe is nothing more than just a weird ass shaped scythe that does sharp damage. It's just that yeah. is sharp does damage. It's it's like his knives that he had that he was killing the or twins. fucking up the twins with. Mm-hmm. Right. So it just had I don't know. It's got they've got to have. It's just like those bullets that they were using against the ghouls. It, it's probably just got some special formula that allows them to cut into or penetrate the skin of the ghouls. Yeah. And yeah, I guess I can accept that as much too. Like yeah. he has just enough to be effective. Yeah, because there's that site isn't anything to do with Jason. Like it's not his cognate. Right? Because if it was, then we'd see some badass action <laughs> other than it just being a solid weapon. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's just really weird because 
Kaneki clearly has the actual ability of Jason. Yep. And then we're we have Juzo with just the leftover shards, basically. Yeah, I can I can go with that one. Maybe they took the skin off of Jason and made it harder, but other than that, I can't imagine. I'm good on I'm good with you on saying that it's strong enough just to pierce the skin. Yeah, I'm good with the anime logic just leaving <laughs> us with that. Yeah. Okay. I, I am also cool with that. It so it's honestly he has my favorite Queen K though. That scythe is probably my favorite one. It's definitely super cool. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, th- that armor, like that body armor, is a cool idea because it, it kind of brings like medieval knight vibes. And, yep. like, I love a good anime that has like a full body transformation. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. Like, this one was just clearly more of a defensive thing more yep. than it was offensive, even in the first episode where they were fighting Yoshimura's one eyed owl. Yep. Like there was a power up, but it was more it just came across as more defensive than it was offensive. So yep. I don't know. It just was there any other that. that kind of stood out to you? Like any Queen K's that stood out to you? I don't know. Like there was a couple of Queen K's that like had like those futuristic looking like halo looking guns that yep. shot. Like those those are pretty interesting. Yep. Um other than that, we had that Arima, Kishua Arima, the guy who's gonna be a I, I remember him being a big pain in the ass, the big <laughs> leader for uh the third season. Okay. Uh he had that like that needle. Yep, that, that was super cool. But I think he I he was more of a badass than the weapon was. Oh yeah, he, he himself, yeah. Yes. The weapon, I don't remember shit about the weapon. Like I just remember, <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. He himself is badass. As far as Kagure go, yeah. Like are you talking about like CCG? Yes. Yeah, CCG uh Queen Case. Queen Case. Yeah, that sorry, yeah, that's what it was. Um I, I don't know. I like I just got maybe I'm just going to side with you because I can say like I love Toka and her brothers Kagane, that the whole wing concept is amazing, but of course they never do anything about that as Queen K. Yep. So I I, I can't go any further than that. Um, just to kind of expound more, I'm trying to find her. As you were talking, I was trying to find who. It's uh, Mato's daughter. Akira. Akira. Okay. Her oh, her her Chimera whip, blade. Yeah, yeah, her Chimera whip blade. Uh huh. Was really cool. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, I thought it was super cool that they put two and one. Yep. And then um, Amon's, like, dual blade. Oh, yeah, like, fat-ass sword. And as soon as he breaks off part of his handle and puts it in, they can switch into a dual blade. Yep, I okay. thought that I thought that was really cool. Honestly, his, cool concept, yep. his initial Queen K kind of reminded me of that one guy from Aroni Kenshin. The guy who always had bad on his... Um, Back. God, that was back when we were children. I know. That was so long ago. But you know who I'm talking about. Where the guy just had that super long sword. Super long sword. Well, see, now when I thought of Amon's very original weapon, yep. I thought of it as like a giant fluffy, like, you know, like if you're if you're playing King of the Mountain with somebody, yep. like in a neutral, like in a, a supervised place and you have like these foam swords. Pugil, that's, a pugil stick or something. You yeah. know what? It's a giant, uh, like, push pop. Yeah, exactly. It's, what it like. <laughs> it's it's a very. I just thought of a giant cotton sword. That's or yep. cotton the foam sword. There yep. we go. I thought it was a giant foam sword. I didn't think anything of it. How can that thing be powerful? Yep. I don't know. So I didn't think much of his original thing, but as soon as his new weapon split into two, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That it, I'll give you that one. Definitely the two part one is cool. His just giant block of a sword is mm-hmm. just kind of boring. 
but um well since you did ask do you have a favorite uh kagane like in the second one or just overall in this uh either or overall it's it's kind of hard to go any further than the wings Okay. From Toka and her brother. Okay. That's it is beautiful. So much purple and pinks and reds come out of that. Yep. And then it can shoot shards. Yep. I just think that's a very useful thing. And plus they're like speedsters. Oh, it's, I mean, if especially if we're gonna talk about Toka's brother, Ayato, when he can use both of his wings as defensive as well as offensive, I think that's pretty fucking awesome. That's why season one he was my favorite character. Yep. Um, other than that, I mean, if I knew more about Noro, I would <laughs> elaborate on him because he's just, he just seems so goddamn overpowered. Like, how does he consume all of these attacks and yet fucking obliterate everything around him? He's got like this hand-like shadow thing that just, I don't know. Noro is so interesting. I need to know more about him because <laughs> I don't remember shit about him. Yeah. Uh, well... It's not that you don't remember anything. They just don't go into him. Like right. he's, I think that's one really cool thing about him in the anime is that he's just, he's there. You know he's super badass, and that's it. That's, right. They just leave you wanting more. I understand people's frustrations about not getting more, mm-hmm. but as far as just a, like, a cool character to have, I think it's, he's really cool to, to be in the, in the episodes. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. And we'll catch you guys in a minute. Yep. All right. Now that we're back from our break, I think this is a good time to talk about Hide. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, He's definitely somebody we need to talk about. Yeah, because, like, he's important he's important and like not important at the same time like it's so weird like he's such a great friend hanging out in the background trying to keep tabs on his friend and making sure he's okay making sure that they kind of like they know things but they don't know too much right and it's just the way he like you know i don't know if you want to call it just the way he anime logic himself into (laughs) getting all of this information just so casually is just if my, a little mind-boggling if you think about it. Like, yeah, he just talks to some random dude, and this dude just unloads all of this information about the eye patch. And yep. And, oh, another thing. Okay, so during that same conversation, we have Akira who stops that conversation between uh, Hide and that other investigator guy. So I think got, it's Mato. Mato, yeah, Akira Mato. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She stops that conversation. Or uh, Amon. It was a it was a moan and. He's not in that scene. This is underling. The the one who went to school with Akira. Akira. Oh, yeah. Like that they they guy. have that little rivalry. The, the younger guy. The younger oh. guy. Yeah, so they have that rivalry. And Hide's talking to him. And then Akira's like, Akira is like, I hope he's paying you for this information that you're just not just throwing out there. <laughs> and then Hide's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to get out of here. And then Akira is like, I'm very suspicious of this guy. And then, like, nothing happens after that. <laughs> like, they lead us viewers to be like, okay, she's going to investigate Hide, and then what's going to happen after that? And then fucking nothing happens. Well, so, nothing can happen. He's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. But, they like, maybe if they sprinkled in a couple more episodes or something, like, they could have <laughs> had a some sort of investigation on Hide by Akira. I don't know. I just I just wanted a little bit more elaboration. Like, 
don't make me think you suspect him and then do nothing about it. <laughs> I want to see a, some elaboration. Yeah, I guess I can give you that one. But it, it's I do find it funny. Instead, he's like, oh, yeah, he's just a mail handler. So don't bother him if he's asking questions because that's just him. It's like, what? No, right. that really weird questions. Granted, he's like, oh, yeah, the, the eye patch guy. I heard he's all he's been all over the news lately. It's like. Oh yeah, let me tell you about him. It's like, yeah, let's just go into some history and I'll just tell you everything I know. And, it, and it's funny because the paperwork says top secret, and you're just like, oh hey, it's right in front of your face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and when uh, Hide bumps into Amon, and then I think it was Amon, and then he drops a stack of papers. Yeah. And then yeah, just like you said, top secret is like, oh hey, right about this eye patch guy, <laughs> and then you just you know you think like. That's top secret. I literally cannot tell you anything about it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's this and that. Yeah, they're, they're, um, oh man, I'm trying to blank on what they're actually called, but they're the people who take care of secret documentation. They're not going to be very happy about a moan. Just, oh, let me throw all my top secret paperwork all over the place. Fuck it. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter because all the top, all the people in that position end up dying anyway. Like, a <laughs> like a, he's probably like 27 years old and he's got the title of senior investigator. Like, Okay, so that position doesn't last long anyway. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, if you look at it, Motto was probably the the outlier, and he was probably only in his 40s, so he couldn't have been all that old. Right. So it just looked old, but that was because he was crazy. Yeah, he was just a crazy old man. Yeah, not finding not finding who that guy is, what that guy's name is, uh, the one that went to school with uh, Akira. Yeah, I didn't, I'm not <laughs> seeing it on this character list, and I didn't write his name down. No, but that's all right. Yeah, it's it's all good. And so Hide Hide is such a great friend. He's your. I'm pretty sure I brought this up last time. He's like the perfect best friend. He is, and he knows literally all about Kaneki's secret. And yeah. he's being so cool about keeping on the down low. And basically, like, I was waiting for you to tell me. Basically, yeah. And then where he's like, oh yeah, um, where the guy beat his ass. Oh, Nishiki. Yeah. Uh, in season one, Nagachiki. Naga- no, Nagachiki is Hide's first name. Okay, Nishio Nishiki. Nishiki. There we go. So when he's talking about how Nagachiki is just beating his ass, and he's like, "Yeah, I knew then. He almost killed me, but Wait, you know, I, I tried playing it off." It's like what I fake played dead. <laughs> yeah, that was, I thought that was pretty fucking crazy, especially because like I. I, you know, since we watched this back to back, like, yeah, his eyes were open and like, I can totally see where he was playing dead, but like, dude was stomping on the dude's melon. Right? There's no way that he could have certain, like, stayed conscious under that entire period. Yeah, it's would not surprise me if he didn't. And it, it was just so crazy because it was just so crazy that it's like, hey, I, I tried playing dead, but he tried making me dead and it didn't work. It's probably one of those things that. In the beginning of the manga, he could see it, especially because, you know, it's, hey, ghouls don't like food. I took you to your favorite hamburger place and you ate one bite and threw it all up. Yeah. Like, just, he's not stupid. Right. And he's not stupid and he knows. And like when he saw um, Toka at the school, he brought her to coffee instead of like food. So like, like, I'm sure it was obvious why he brought her there and it's because you know i'm surprised at that scene alone he wasn't like yeah i know he's missing i know why he's missing i miss him and stuff like that like (laughs) everybody's keeping their secrets to themselves and as a viewer is like we all know 
I know someone that, share a secret with someone. Well, the only person that we don't don't actually know with full uncertainty is Hide. Like we can assume that Hide knows only because we know how uh, perceptive he is. But as far as at that moment in time when he's talking to Toka, we're not a hundred percent sure that he does know. Yeah, I mean, there's there hasn't been that point blank statement that we know. Yep. But we know from season one back when um back when Kaneki was talking to the manager yep. in that room after the uh after the Nishio fight, he opened his eyes. Yeah. We as viewers knew he heard everything. So like it's always been in the background. But that's the one thing about this show is nothing is ever explained point <laughs> blank. It's always like nonchalantly thrown in and we have to think as the other characters of what they might be thinking in order to understand what's going on. So it's it's that I think that's the fun part about this show is they're not hand feeding you everything. You you pick up on things. Yeah, it's that's probably one of the things that I really like that it's it's a darker show and they don't dumb it down. Yep, I think that's a good way. They don't dumb it down. It's they expect you to basically either watch it a couple times or really pay attention to all those details about what's going on because it's there's a lot of information and there's a lot of details there's a lot of intricacies that's going on and I mean look at Kaneki at the end where um the the black dog girl is dying and she's like okay I get it you went to Algiri Tree. Because you knew you had to get strong. Mm-hmm. And you knew you would never get this strong if you stayed here. Like, that's super, like, perceptive and really deep in all actuality. Yep. So, Lance is going through his fancy-dancy notebook that can wipe wipe stuff away. <laughs> yeah, because it's basically a dry erase notebook. Yeah. Um, going through my notebook and there we go. I came across two things that I had um, written down that I had questions about. And one of them was, why is the manager as the owl so strong if a full-fledged ghoul needs human flesh to reach their maximum potential? And he's basically a vegetarian in a sense. Like, he's eating, like, low-calorie humans. Well, he's... Okay, I I guess I'm explaining that a little wrong. Like, I know (laughs) he's eating suicide victims. He's not... He's not like the one-eyed owl where he's just chopping down on humans left and right. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, so the manager is eating cheaply and sparse, scarcely. And, okay, like, I know his past was awesome. He was eating anything, killing everything. Yep. So he was gaining so much power. Okay. Okay, so that was the past. Years, literally years have gone by. We're not talking months where a ghoul can live for a month at a time with a single meal, whatever. Yep. Okay, so we know he's eating bits and pieces of suicide victims. Yep. And then he goes into these battles where he goes full-fledged, like all-out, all-out owl. Yep. Super strong, super fast regenerative abilities. I'm going to assume he needs a lot of pre-energy <laughs> in order to do this shit. Like, he needs his pre-workout. He's just not... He's. I don't think he's getting it. He's not getting that extra pre-workout. He's right. not... You know, he's taking one scoop versus taking two scoops. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's throwing me off, like... 
Like I get they want to sprinkle some anime logic into this. This he's super strong because he used to be super strong, but like yeah, you need to sustain long term. Not for and it, cool. And it's not like they were like, okay, well, here's the manager going to go chow down on a customer right before he goes and fucks up the CCG or something. Well, look at um the guy who just obliterated Kaneki coming out of a CCG that too container. That dude came out fucking full blast. <laughs> There is no way in hell that the CCG is feeding these these what double S rank ghouls or whatever they call. Them. They gave them like some super yeah, awesome su- name. Uh, double S ranked. Yep. And okay, so of course they're gonna starve these guys so that they have next to no power. Like they're gonna yep. keep them on the brink of life so that they don't. Die. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe their government's super fucked up and it's like they're secretly just full on just chucking okay. humans at these people. Apparently, because one one Kaneki. Entered his cell. He was using his Kagane. Yep. He was hanging from the ceiling. He might have been in the middle of doing sit-ups. Fuck you, Kaneki, for messing up his routine. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then after that full-out attack, uh, just Kaneki to... was going full force, but that dude was doing nothing. Um, Just to kind of throw a, a visual description, you remember uh, 50 Cent doing the sit-ups in his music video? No, sorry, I was... <laughs> I've been pure hardcore rock my entire life. Okay, yeah. So it just reminds me of that that music video where he's just straight up doing hanging sit ups. That that was what the dis- oh, that was that's, the that's gonna be good description or the not the description visual representation. That was the visual I got when you were talking about him doing just sit ups using his cognate or something. Okay, well now this just sparks up the <laughs> memory of this season where we have uh, Amon doing push ups after did like three thousand sit up or oh. push ups. Oh yeah, I wrote it down. I, I did okay. I guess I didn't write down the exact. I didn't write. Sorry about that, uh, Lance. Can you can you let us know how many push-ups Amon actually did? Okay, so according to my notes, I'm not I'm not 100 sure because maybe I wrote down too quickly, but I'm 99.9 percent sure that throughout the course of the night, Amon did 7,819 push-ups. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, that's. I don't I don't know about you, but like that's some people' lifetime of push-ups. A couple of years ago, I heard about like the 400 push-up challenge or the 500 push-up challenge or something like that. Like, okay, to do 500 push-ups in one day for 30 days straight. Ooh, that's that's quite a few actually. Okay, so 500 in one day at the top of your mind doesn't sound like that much. 500, yeah, sure. Do a little bit here, do a little bit there. As, I, tr- I tried as, it. As somebody who's done a lot of push-ups, 500 in one day is a lot of push-ups. Oh, yeah, Mr. Army Man over here. Yeah, so I would know. Okay, yeah, okay, so you know. I tried it myself. Um, <laughs> How'd doing, that go for you? Doing 500, I, I did it for about two weeks straight. <laughs> I, I mean, that is impressive. It is, yeah. Uh, I will I will be honest, uh, the first three days, I could not make 500. <laughs> like, I'm a, pres- I'm a relatively physically fit person. Yep. Um, in the first three days, I could not get the full 500 in. Yep. It's very fucking hard. Yeah, 500 is a lot. A lot. Even if you, you just got to break it down. Like, even if you were to do, because you have to try to break it, well, that's just, that's the part. You have to break it down. Like, how many are you going to do per hour? How many are you going to do per half hour? How many are you going to do whatever? But you also have to exclude your sleeping hours. So now you're even <laughs> condensed, even shorter. So now it got, it got down to the point, like, what do you want to do? You want to do, like, 
50 push-ups every hour. And then even if you were to do that, like shit, it just, it's hard. It gets harder and harder the more you think about it. And <laughs> that's what makes it such a great workout is or, or 25 push-ups every 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put a timer on your phone, you know, just, Hey Siri, set a timer for 30 minutes and then boom, 30 more push-ups after that. Yeah. So 7,800 push-ups. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, so just to kind of, there was a guy, a guy that I was in the army with. He did 2,020 pull-ups. Consecutively? No, no, no. Not consecutively. Oh my, I was going to say, is he, a, is he the Hulk? <laughs> no. That's impossible. Yes. I 100% agree. Real, pu- real pull-ups for 2020. He did it, um, basically he did it through all of 2019 and right. it took him... So he had a year to do it? Yeah, he had a year to do 2,020 pull-ups. Okay, that's interesting. And What did that break down to? Basically, uh, I think it took him like nine months to do 2,020 pull-ups. But he would do, you know, like 30 one day, maybe 100 another day, maybe 20, you know. Because, you know, every once in a while you're going to have days where it's like, hey... I'm not doing any pull-ups for whatever reason. Or right. You can have cheat days. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I did fucking 120 yesterday. I'm going to do zero today. Yeah. So, just every... But I think every day he tried doing, I think it was at least 20 or something along those lines. Okay. Just do it a few every day. But there would be some days he'd do extra. And it took him, I think, like nine months to do 2,000 pull-ups. Interesting. So, could you imagine doing 7,000 push-ups? In one night? <laughs> I don't know if that's even possible. Like, yeah. to be completely honest. Yeah, no, I, I'm on the same page as you. I'm thinking about the math. <laughs> yeah, because you, you have to think about it. So even if you're, because she was drunk, you you know, you give yourself oh, 10 yeah, plus, hours. Plus she was intoxicated. It, it, like, if you give yourself 10 hours to do 7,000 push-ups, that's 700 push-ups an hour. All right, yeah. All right, let's just say 60 minutes. And let's just say Akira slept for six hours because these are super busy people yeah she you know she breaks things down to the second yep and her her busy brain okay so six hours times 60 minutes is 360 seconds or 360 minutes times 60 seconds is two Twenty one thousand six hundred. So no. I already lost myself. Yeah, no. Where's you, my math you, going? You did that backwards. Oh yeah. So well, you're trying to figure out how many he did in a minute. Yeah, that's <laughs> not <laughs> my math. All right, that, that's Lance's drunk math right there. Um. So he was doing twelve hundred an hour. So he had to do what? Six. He had to do sixty a minute. I mean, that it breaks is, down to one a second for the entire night. If the, if that's what you're saying. Ba- basically, it's it's. In my head math, so it's possible. Uh, eh, super, for f- super soldier, I will say it's not impossible, but you're not doing it for six hours. You're not sustaining that for six hours. No, one push up per second for six hours. You know, no, um, you you're gonna come out looking like the Hulk. Um, so army old standards were you know you had two minutes to do as many push ups as you can, mm-hmm. and I think. The best I ever did was like 80, it was 82 in two minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. We're, we're talking. I feel like at my, at my peak, I could have beat that. Yeah. Well, we're talking full down, full up. Right. So it's, yeah, it, it's, but it's even still like, I know some people, oh. some people, some people can beat that. Sorry. Yeah. My competitiveness. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's all good. Um, And even still for the army, that's. 
you, you know, we're talking good physical condition kind of things. Yeah. Way more than your bare minimums that, that are needed to be considered physically fit for the army. And I granted, I did know people that could do more, but even still it's for me, I, I wasn't even doing 60 a minute and I was in good shape. Like doing 60 in a minute is hard. For yeah, that, that's two, fast. For two minutes. You're talking 100, 100 plus in two minutes. No. Because he was doing real push-ups, not, you know, the world record push-up guy. I don't know if you ever watched that video. Have you watched that video? No, but... Based on <laughs> your tone of voice, I'm sure 50% of it was not full push-up. Oh, it was 100% not a... It was, <laughs> so, you know, anybody that you meet in the military, they would be like, zero, zero, zero. Like, yeah. he started out not doing push-ups. Like, his very first one was not even a full push-up? Oh, no. He moved, like, maybe a third of an inch. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's just... Just very minimally moving one, two, three. It's like, no, no, none of those are push-ups. How are you counting any of these push-ups? And he he, he got a lot, but they none of them were oh, push-ups. Sure. Yeah, and then now this is forever registered <laughs> in the Guinness World Book yes. Records bullshit. Yeah, that's funny. And actually, I do have a, a funny story about the Guinness Book of World Records, if you, if you want to hear. So do you know how the Guinness Book of World Records is actually owned by Guinness? Guinness the beer? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Because they wanted a way for individuals to basically sit around and drink more. And they found out when people talk about stuff that they will sit there and drink more. Sure. So they started the... Fucking point blank right here. (laughs) Yeah, look at us. Drink and talk. Yeah. Uh, They... So they started the Guinness Book of World Records in order to get people to sit in a pub and talk about world records. Sure. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's that, super interesting. What's going to make you more interested in sticking around listening to some shitty-ass story than if you had some alcohol in front of you? Fuck yeah. So, I mean, whoever that guy was deserves a lifetime of payments because yeah. could you imagine being like, hey, you know what? We should make a book of world records. That's a good idea. And just doing it. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, I, I 100% agree. That That's a... If you had the means to find out... <laughs> Those kind of specs, fucking more power to you, man. Yeah. And just just to go back to a moment, like doing 7,800 push-ups in six to 10 hours, fuck. That's All a right. lot. That's it. I'm Googling it. You're, you're going to Google what the uh, world record push-ups is? Oh, it's a terrible video. I Anybody who is listening to this, don't watch the video. Like anybody who's ever done a push-up will be pissed off. All right. <laughs> world record for most push-ups in a row is... 10,507 by Minoru Yoshida of Japan in 1980. No, this video is um, not that old. For it's the old. I, the one that you were talking about? Yeah. The one that it's the, the most push-ups in a, in a certain period of time. Okay. Well, according to this one specific thing I looked at versus the very top thing that showed up, uh, he beat the, the current record of 7,600 by Henry C. So... <laughs> Well, that's most consecutive push-ups, not the most in a certain period of time. Non-stop push-up. So, well, 
consecutive. Ten th- no. Does it say how long it took him to do that? 10,000 push-ups? If I go into it, I've <laughs> heard the nine, 199 push-ups in one minute have been made. I think that's what that was, the 199. Was sorry, that was just the first thing that my my eyes <laughs> looked at, so I can't. Sorry, I clicked on the link, and it sent me to the middle of a page. Like, <laughs> the scroll bar isn't even at the top. It's, like, not even, it's almost centered. It's, okay, never mind. This is so <laughs> way, way sidebar up. of what we're even talking about. Okay, so apparently... Push-ups is goddamn con- competitive, okay. yes. and Amon is impressive. That's the yes. point. Amon wouldn't even have the world record anymore. No. <laughs> he got beat. His ass is grass. In, in the 80s, so he would have never had it to begin with. Yeah, this but. is 2016, 17 that season two came out, something like that, 17? Uh, 17, Six, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yep. Anyway, keep going to go back to, <laughs> to actually go back to our <laughs> series. Um, man, there was... Honestly, I kind of feel like we covered most everything. Is there any other things um, in your yeah, handy dandy notebook? <laughs> Blue Skidoo weekend too. <laughs> um, the the only I mean, not even looking at my notebook. There's one other thing that I do want to talk about are the twins. Okay. Yep. Yep. Because the twins were point blank obvious that they were worked on by the doctor. Yep. And they made another reference throughout season two that the doctor that worked on Kaneki was basically the same doctor that worked on these twins. Yep. Do you think he's the same doctor that worked on the people from Re? Oh, uh, oh wait, Re? Oh wait, yes. uh, I don't know about Re. I'm holding a hundred percent of my reservations <laughs> on Re because I don't remember shit. Yeah, like, I, I, remember, I, I remember bits and pieces, but I'm not. I cannot claim anything from Re. Yeah, I, I can't either. I just know that they are ghouls that are working for the CCG in Re, and that's really all I remember. Exactly. That's all I remember too. And I remember Kaneki and Toka getting together. That's like all I remember from Re. Oh, I don't even remember that. Oh, well, apparently I remember one more thing. <laughs> one more thing, yeah. You got one up on me. But yeah, I so I want to know about these twins. Like, yep. They, yep. At one point, they were human. Yep. Obviously, 100% human. 100% human. And then something happened. They met this doctor. Um, Did they die? Was it a Kaneki situation? I'm going to assume they did not die. Okay. Uh, I'm going to assume... Do you think it was maybe... Big Big Mama? No, not Big Mama. I can, I, will, I'm, I don't think Big Mama has anything to do with these twins. Okay. I'm going to assume that maybe the death of their other friend consumed them so much that they went and fought another ghoul. And, okay. Oh, okay, maybe they died from that. I mean, I'm just spitballing at this point. <laughs> So maybe they died. Okay. Okay. The only point, the only thing I was going to truly get at was clearly they are splitting a single ghoul between the two of them. And I'm only saying that because they share opposite eyes. So one of the twins left eye is a ghoul. One of the twins right eye is a ghoul. Or is it because they're twins? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just cute to make them opposite like that. I would just like to assume that they are sharing the same ghoul and it was split between them, and they got a little bit of each. Well, remember, uh, I had I brought it up. Yeah, where I, know, I, know where I know where you're going with this. There, yeah. So I don't think it's that. Oh, so say it. Say it again. Uh, the RC. I can't think of a better term, but sack. Sack. The, yeah. the RC organ. Yeah. Of the ghoul gets transplanted into the human to make them into a half ghoul hybrid. Basically, yeah. And like you would, yeah, exactly what you're saying. That RC sack is. 
is the main thing that makes someone an actual ghoul. Yeah. So with that being said, I guess maybe splitting one ghoul between the two sounds... Wouldn't do that? No. But I don't know what else would cause half and half. Like like you said, one had one eye, one had the other. Like it, It's not something that they can just choose. And just because they're twins, it doesn't work like that. No. So, and they're not even identical twins. I mean, in their ghoul form, in their haircut style, they almost looked identical. But okay. like, when they were in their human form and they were considered twins, like they didn't look like they, they were they, copies or whatever. Like, no, what they a definitely traditional weren't. No. Anime would do. So, so, yeah. And because they were both women or girls, whatever you want to call it, you, you would think that they would be similar in appearance. Mm-hmm. So, it's. It'd be interesting in uh, information that we'd like to know from the manga potentially, but not information that's needed in the anime. Right. Stuff that might have been nice to know. Yep. That the anime might not have shown. I can turn the light to a normal color. Oh, don't worry. It's good. <laughs> it, was, it was the process of flipping the page itself. His, his Dragon Ball Z picture that he'll never get rid of. I'll never get rid of it. <laughs> it I mean, it's very well done. It is. So it was pretty drunk when I did it too. <laughs> pretty pr- I, I am honestly proud of this. How, I was fucking drunk when I drew that, and that is pretty much the best I've ever done. You know why? Because you didn't nitpick yourself. Exactly. There's that too. I just did it. <laughs> I went with that this beer. Um, but that's really kind of really all I got. And Lance, anything in your handy dandy notebook? Nope. Uh, my notes are tapped out. I'm good. Okay. Unfortunately, we will not have a manga mentions attached to this episode. I have been so busy with school and other personal things that I could not read the manga in the time period that we allotted each other. And I feel bad for all of our listeners. I am 100% going to read this manga because I want to know what happened. It's going to be separate somewhere either an instagram post or something along those lines so that anybody that is interested to know why this anime the i guess that's something that i kind of want to touch base with that the pacing seems super weird yeah it was like it's like it was on par like it was awesome and it was accelerated and it was decelerated and then and then it was the it was the end it's so weird yeah and then just like abruptly like it went from like zero to like one mile per hour. I'm only going to say one mile per hour because Kaneki was walking with heat in his fucking <laughs> arms. Slow motion for three fucking minutes and then just fucking stop. So, yeah, I, I'm not happy with the ending. Yeah. That. Yeah, the, the ending's weird. Uh, it was for the... cute and it was beautiful, but it was as, weird. A, as a consumer, I'm not happy. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Um, Especially because it was like, so it's that the end of Tokyo Ghoul? Like, is that how the series ends? This exactly. is really weird. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, so I personally am dying to know how the manga is different from the anime. Unfortunately, I just couldn't do it for this segment. Um, so we didn't want to not do this episode because we could not do the manga adaptation as well. Yeah, um, because you know this is this is a part of our Halloween special. This is our this, ho- yeah, like our post Halloween special. So this is our spooky season show, and it was just something that we wanted to do for everybody. And 
unfortunately, life kind of got in the way yep. for this time around. Uh, I, I'm kind of happy to say that it took, you know, a year and a half for life to finally get in the way of doing the manga and even just minimally doing for the podcast. Yep. So uh, hopefully I can get that manga mentions posted up soon. Uh, no guarantees on how soon, but hopefully I can get it up soon by the time we're actually launching this episode. Yep. We'll get it figured out and we'll get it launched as soon as we find a little bit of free time. Yeah. I know Lance, you've been super busy with work mm-hmm. as any of our short flight listeners are can tell, you know, your background's a little, uh, interesting. We'll put it that way. Yeah. It's, it's the bit <laughs> personally, it's the busy season, so I've been working 12 hours a day, five days a week. Life sucks right now, <laughs> so I'm trying to get as much anime in as I can. Uh, not asking for any sympathy from anybody. Everybody's got their own issues going on, and just sometimes you get busy, and that happens. Um, thank you for all those listeners that are constantly listening to our uh, podcasts. And like I said, hopefully soon I can get that manga mentions distributed. Hopefully soon I can get that uh, manga mentions out to everybody so you can see what's what's different. Because from season one, there's got to be something going on that th- the pacing is just weird. It's kind of like, um, I wouldn't say it's as bad as uh, Promised Neverland as far as pacing is concerned. Oh god, I don't think anything is as bad as Promised Neverland. Yeah, Promised Neverland was just all over the place. That was literally the worst adaptation. <laughs> Only season 2. Season 2, yes. Only season 2. Fuck god. Season 1 was perfectly amazing. Season 2 was uh no, no. Shit for adaptation. We got another one, Twin Stars. Remember, I talked Twin Stars was fucking obliterated as well. You're right. I talked for, what, an hour on yeah. Twin Stars? <laughs> Most of our conversation was the difference between the manga and the anime. Yes. You're right. You're right. When, when we have to specifically change our content. Our format. Format. Yeah. Because of how different it is. Yeah. I would 100% say that that was probably the, the biggest change. Yeah. But as far as, all right, we're going to make this what the manga is. Well, let's just jumble everything around. I kind of feel like that's what's going to happen for season two or uh, route A, as people like to call it. Yep. I mean, it is technically route A. Yes. Yes. We can say that, you know, straightforward. Yes. Yes, it is route A. Um, As far as the manga is concerned, it is still just Tokyo Ghoul. So when you get to Re, it's Tokyo Ghoul Re. So if you're looking for like a box set or something, which I will hopefully be purchasing sometime this winter season, um, you have two options. You can get Tokyo Ghoul and then Tokyo Ghoul Re, and those are your two box sets. Okay. So so there's a clear separation between the two? Yes. Yeah, there's there's a very distinct separation between the two. Um, I, I really personally want to know what the difference is. I specifically try to avoid any manga spoilers when it comes to people talking about Tokyo Ghoul. Just because I I do really enjoy the series. It's probably one of my favorites as far as just a as a whole. I know it might not be the best series in general, but it's just kind of one of those series I can I really enjoy watching. Yeah, it's just got this certain beauty about it yep. that just drives you in, makes you wanting more, and then it's like it doesn't give you that more at the <laughs> end. It's like ah. 
God, give me, give me, give me. Oh, fuck you. You fucking stopped. Yep. Um, I, there's a there's a meme that I constantly see where your favorite anime, it's a, it states your favorite anime doesn't always have to be the absolute best, either visually or best story. It, and it's true. It doesn't have to be perfect tens all the way around. You right. can have flaws in your favorite anime, and there's no problems with that. Exactly. I agree. Um, I know... Eventually, when I get more tattoos, I want to get something Tokyo Ghoul related, whether it just be the mask, Kaneki's mask, kind of like what I did with Ichigo's hollow mask. I have that tattoo. And who knows? We'll see what happens in the future. I know Lance is over here like, my body's my temple. No tattoos. <laughs> Not the letter. It's just that I've never found anything worthwhile doing so yet. That being said, um, I'm in the middle of a fantasy football league with my wife's family yep and me and my wife have a side bet going on <laughs> and whoever comes out victorious between the two of us with most wins yep okay let's just say the winner gets to decide a tattoo for the other person but okay. the loser gets to decide where to put it okay and right now i'm fucking losing <laughs> um so, so my question, I might just get my first tattoo. <laughs> my question is, is it regular season wins or does it include playoffs? It's regular season. Okay. Play, as okay. soon as the playoff starts, the... The bet's the, over. The, yeah, the bet's over. It, it stops. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm currently, at this moment, I'm losing. <laughs> so, my first tattoo is going to be a bet at this moment. So okay. So, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I update you guys with <laughs> how this is going to end up. <laughs> Oh man, I gotta give Emily great dis- great uh, suggestions on what to give you. Then oh, go for it. <laughs> Don't worry, I get to decide where it goes. Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you it's probably gonna go on my ass. <laughs> I heard so no one else can see it. <laughs> if, if it's bad, if it's gonna go, if it's bad, it's gonna go on my ass. If it's decent, it might go on my calf or my shoulder blade, or I don't know De- I, what it is. Depending on what it is. I'll decide from there. Knowing your wife, she's not going to give you anything super ridiculous, but it probably will be funny. No, oh, right. We decided, we agreed that we're not going to give each other something fucking idiotic. No. We're going to give each other something <laughs> semi-funny. No. Uh, but it'll be funny enough to put like on our butts to show our friends. Well, no offense. I don't want to see your ass. So hopefully, hopefully that's not uh, oh, something okay. ass worthy, I guess. I'll show you my, I'll show you my butt cheek. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, so no unicorn shooting out dildos or something? Nah. Probably, <laughs> no. I mean, unless she wants that. It's yeah. up to her. I'm yeah, like, that, that'd be weird. I don't know. I, I guess that might be what she's into. But like I said, hopefully we can get the manga mentions out to everyone soon. I uh, hope you guys are, are actually enjoying the manga mentions. Lance, is anything else you got? No. Uh, I'm tapped out at this point. All right. So that is another episode of the Anime Lounge Podcast. Make sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast on any of our platforms that you're listening to to help us continue to grow and keep an eye out for our short flights on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Have a good one. And this is where I had brought up in the beginning of the episode where I had mentioned that there's going to be a post-launch edition of Matt's Manga Mentions. So without further ado, let's get started. I will say, 
I kind of understand people's gripes as far as season two is concerned because there's a lot of big things that happened. Just to kind of put it in perspective, like the biggest thing, Kaneki never joins Algiri Tree. Like never joins him at all. Never joins. Never joins. Because that's like the entire second season. Yes. Yeah. See, he never, never goes with them. So the difference is he goes with Banjo and Gourmet and essentially just attempts to get stronger, attempts to find information out about Rize and just does the same concept where he tries to get stronger, but he does it his own way instead of joining Algiri Tree. So is he still like fighting other people in a way to like boost experience or like kind of yeah yeah his he'll still go out and do stuff go out investigate uh, um weird things like uh rize's death he goes investigates the doctor and just oh so they bring the doctor more into play yeah the doctor plays a huge role in season two what would have been season two he's actually a part of algiri tree wow okay yeah so he's making, he's, well, let me rephrase it. He's attempting to make half ghouls. Right. And Which we see with the two different colored eyed with twin yep, ghouls. Yep, those twins. And he essentially adopts the twins and makes, and they call him, I think, Papa. Okay. So, but to kind of go back in, chronologically, because as our listeners know, and hopefully for all of our new listeners, I like to go from the beginning of what would be in this case season two and work my way through the manga slash the anime just to kind of chronologically explain what ha- what happened differently. Makes my life easier, makes your everyone else's life easier because then you can kind of think back from the beginning and work your way through. So the biggest thing that changes is the Ayato fight with Kaneki. It is is significantly longer and it's a lot more fucked up so Kaneki overpowers Ayato and starts torturing him and then says that he is going to break half the bones in his body and proceeds to break half the bones in his body which is 103 bones by the way oh so he literally breaks 103 the one and a half bones no, one hundred no, one hundred and three bones. There's two hundred and six bones in the oh. body, and he breaks. So he breaks like every bit of the fingers, like all of his fingers. Holy shit! Yeah, it's super fucked. But you have to remember, this is right after the Jason torturing, so he just gets super fucked. It, it's crazy because you just you see the images of Kaneki, and then you get that snap and Ayato just screaming. It's super dark. It's great. <laughs> like it shows Kaneki breaking like bits of Ayato, like his femur and right. other things, and then counting 99, 98, 100. Like, just it's super dark. That's and yeah, it's great. <laughs> this, I mean, obviously, he has to recover at some rate because doesn't Ayato help with the like, ex- not the extermination, but the evacuate, evac- whatever, extraction of that dude from the van? Yeah, that doesn't happen. That doesn't even happen? No. They're, they're, remember, Kaneki isn't a part of Algiri Tree. Oh, shit, that's right. At all. Okay, so, so if that doesn't happen, that means Kaneki never goes to the bottom floor of the prison. The prison to let that other guy escape? That's actually another big thing. So the... I'm only saying that because uh, Ayato goes with Kaneki to let him escape. So are they working together? Nope. They're not working together at all. So the 
freeing of the prisoners at the Tokyo, or excuse me, at the Ghoul prison is happening at the same time as the attack in the 20th Ward. So on all the CCG are attacking that building in the 20th Ward, the top ghouls of Algiri Tree are freeing the double S ranked and S ranked ghouls in that prison. So it's happening at the same time. So Kaneki obviously is not there. Interesting. That's a huge difference. Yes. Uh, so if that never happened and the manga does Kaneki still like get that slight evolution where you got that like that crow's beak looking thing yes so that does happen it almost happens in the same instance where he's fighting that guy but it's slightly it is different like basically he starts going insane in his mind because he can't beat him and he starts going crazy but he's still fighting the same guy the same buff-ass chinese mustache guy yes Yes, okay. which I'll I'll get to his name much later on because you don't really find out too much about him until later on in the okay. manga. And let's see what else. So Kaneki, like I said, never joins Alkiri Tree. Uh, he just says that he has to get stronger. And Banjo and Gourmet join him, and you find out that Hinami. Banjo and Kaneki are living together. And then Gourmet comes by every so often periodically to either help do missions or to give intel about what's going on because Kaneki doesn't trust Gourmet. For good reasons. Yeah, because Gourmet only wants to get close to Kaneki to eat him. Right. So that that goal never changes. One thing that you don't see is you don't see the raid on the prison. They just talk about how it happens. The leaders of Algiri Tree talk about how basically the CCG are stupid and they were able to break into the prison while they were trying to take over that building in the 20th Ward. Whoa. Okay, so the manga says that it happened and the anime shows that it happened? Basically. I mean, with a little bit of falseness, but Mm -hmm. like they at least show that it happened. Yep. Okay. I guess I kind of like that idea. Yeah, they at least showed it. They gave a little bit more information. Yes. Yeah. It, I mean, I would. I wouldn't mind it. I just wish they would have kept true to the manga in the sense. Oh, sure. It would be better if everything was true to the story. Yes. You find out that Juzo passes his written and oral exams to become a second class investigator. So those are the only rank. So it's that's excuse me. That's the lowest rank investigator that gets a quinque so that's why he works so hard to pass these evaluations so he could get a quinque okay so that's when he gets his jason but the only reason why he gets his jason is because he became and got promoted to a second class investigator okay so what they're saying is the only people that can get a quinque is a second class and above and above yes okay yeah so but i think it's shunohara the older guy basically his mentor person was like hey if you want to walk around with a quinque you have to do this and it kind of enticed juzo enough that he actually buckled down and studied it was you know kind of the first time in his life that he ever actually did something for himself right so i thought that was really cool so hide told the ccg as an anonymous source that um 
Oh, he got caught that he was the anonymous source. So uh, Hide got caught being an anonymous source to the CCG. Okay. Like uh, while he's working with the yep, CCG? Yep, while he's working with the CCG as the mail handler clerk. And basically got during the interrogation, he said that he likes to kind of play an investigator and that he actually followed Jason around in dead ghoul's clothes. So that Jason wouldn't figure out that he was a uh, human. Wow. And J- you see uh, it's one panel where Jason, basically, uh, Hide gets nervous, drops some change, and Jason, and it hits Jason. So he turns around and his, you know, his intimidating self and was like, hey, you dropped that. And Hide about shits himself. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but then after that, the so it's the, the person that found out that he was the anonymous source was the investigator the head investigator guy that basically led the assault he was the guy sitting in the van or whatever it was for the attack on the 20th ward it was that guy i'm drawing a blank on his name but you you remember who i'm talking about he was basically the director of the attack on the 20th ward yeah i remember him having he was the guy with the motorcycle that juzo yeah, destroys exactly like his hair was parted from side to side i don't have a yep. name on him but yeah i remember who you're talking about and he was the one that found that figured out that Hide was the anonymous source. And then in order to kind of that whole keep your enemies close kind of thing, because he was very suspicious of Hide, he had Hide work with um, Amon's group. So he basically became a like an assistant to Amon, which is how um, Hide finds out all the things that he finds out because now he's actually working with the CCG instead of just being there and being like, oh, hey, I bumped into you. Look at all these top secret folders that are I can just randomly see now. Yeah, okay. it basically I mean, he has access to that stuff. I, in the anime, I totally bought that like he was paying attention to the news yep. and that he worked side by side with people that had that information. But of course, they had that stupid anime logic where <laughs> you'd bump into someone and then they would just spill their guts about everything <laughs> they know about the uh, the one eyed ghoul or anything along those lines. So yep. okay, so this this is a little bit more like believable, realistic almost. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, you find out, so I didn't write her name down because it's kind of not important, but that girl that kept breaking the cups on, uh, at Anteku. Yeah. She, yep. She only started working there because she found out that, uh, Kaneki worked there. Okay. So she, a crush kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was 100% trying to get close to Kaneki thing. Not because she's like a double agent. No, no, just a... She's got the hots for Kaneki. Okay. One thing, I, I think I mentioned this already, but one of Kaneki's goals while being on his quote-unquote own was to find out about Rize. Basically, that was one of his biggest things. Was He wanted to know about Rize. Wanted to find out why he basically became the way he did and wanted to get stronger to protect all of his friends. And let's see. The twins are operated on with Rize's organs. Which you can kind of... The, the twins yep. have part of Rize's organs? Yep. They're not a whole additional brand new ghoul that nope. has been working on the side? Nope, Rize. So 
technically these twins and Kaneki are kind of like intertwined. Yes. Yep. They're definitely. Interesting. Okay. Does that have anything to do with Rize being the one and only like project that has turned out to work out? Probably. Or, or I mean, I guess at this rate, I mean, we've got three half ghouls coming out of one full ghoul. So, I mean, like, hey, Ooh. we're producing more. Yeah. Kind of one of those things. It's like, what makes her so special that she is essentially producing half ghouls? Exactly. Yeah. This is very interesting. And there's more to come. I promise you there's more to come about Rize. Uh, another thing that happens is Nico, so he is kind of a follower of Jason, meets with Kaneki and then informs him who the One-Eyed King is. Okay. The One-Eyed King is not necessarily the Owl? So the One-Eyed, well, the One-Eyed Owl and the One-Eyed King are synonymous with each other. They're the same person. Okay. Because it was a little confusing because they did give it two different titles. Yes. But they're the same person. Okay. That's good enough. So it's kind of a way to show trust, like to give Kaneki some trust in Nico. They really don't go anywhere beyond that. He basically says, hey, uh, if I tell you this information, have some trust in me kind of thing. Because essentially he is informing on Algiri Tree to Kaneki. Right. But they don't go anywhere anywhere with that. You find out that the doctor was a coroner for the CCG, so he probably been testing slash experimenting on humans slash ghouls for a long time. Sure. I mean, yeah. What's the best way to experiment on bodies than with dead, dead ones? Bodies? Yeah, seriously. Also, you find out that Rize is still alive. Still alive. Still alive. Being right. kept She's alive by the doctor. Got crushed by still steel beams and given organs and is sitting here somewhere still alive correct yep she is still i wouldn't say alive and kicking because she's in a basically a medical induced coma container kind of like if you want to think of the healing container that goku sits in or vegeta sits in vegeta yeah when he's recovering yep except for she's not coming back (laughs) okay so she's uh what we might think of as like future homegrown meat that might be too far-fetched for some people yes i'm not even gonna go there yeah no but she's being kept alive in a container like one of the liquid containers that you see in sci-fi stuff sure so it's that was that was honestly a huge like what the fuck moment like keep her being still alive i was like what the hell all right in the anime they almost 100 percent make you believe that she's dead yeah, especially since, you know, she's in the back of Kaneki's mind, like, fucking with him in a sense, yep. like, real time. So you'd imagine if, like, if her influence is messing with them, that would mean that, like... She's, she's dead? You know, she's part of them. Like, yep. she doesn't have two places to be. Her place is with Kaneki. Yep. Then you find out that the CCG has made a connection between the doctor the binge eater slash gourmet or excuse me the binge eater which was rize and kaneki so they find out that this is how they find out that kaneki is missing and kind of like they they can put two and two together that kaneki is a ghoul at this point like they infer that he's a ghoul they don't know they don't have concrete evidence but they're kind of like well she's missing or the binge eater's missing the doctor's missing and he's missing they all that they have to correlate with each other so they um basically go to the mansion that was the doctors and that's where they have this huge brawl kind of similar to the prison but not exactly um kaneki has a 
fights with a shit ton of failed ghoul experiments and starts going a little bit crazy. Really? Because the doctor um, basically sets them all free to attack Kaneki so that he can get away. Interesting. Because he is working without Geary Tree. Right. Okay, this kind of sounds like how my hero is sounding at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but are these failed experiments like humanoid or they're like little gremlins or... No, they're humanoid. They're basically like sludge monsters almost. Sure. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. They're not... There's just a lot of them so because there's so many of them that kaneki kind of just sheer numbers gets a little over gets dominated but not not exactly uh so yomo comes in and yomo is the bodyguard of anteku yep just keep everyone on yes yep thank you he actually comes in and saves rize so he rescues rize and basically brings her away from the doctor do they have a history i don't know they they don't go into it i think it was more the more had to do with um oh man the old man uh yoshimura i think he told yomo to go save rize i think it was more along that lines like yomo is just kind of following orders yeah kind kind of of like she's a ghoul go save her kind of thing kind of protect her own kind yes okay i can follow that yeah um because well i'll go into it in a little bit then in an attempt to capture the nurse that was working with the doctor uh, to kind of interrogate her, the ghouls that are working with Algiri Tree get there first. Um, and that is where you find out about the guy that is obsessed with Jason, the guy in the white suit. That's well, the they, fr- they busted out of the van. Yep. The, so Algiri Tree is trying to capture this nurse to find out about the doctor, and Kaneki is and his group are also trying to capture this nurse. And Algiri Tree gets there first, and then that is where you find the the fight. Er, excuse me. That is where the fight with the guy that's not wearing a shirt and has kind of the whale fin. Um, oh, the Chinese mustache? Yes. And that is where that fight happens. So much later on. Okay. And in a different setting. Kaneki loses still, and then they kidnap the nurse. You find out that Kaneki worked at Anteku for two months. Two whole months. So basically, from the moment Kaneki turned into a ghoul and then gets kidnapped by Jason is two months. That's not that long. No, no. Seems really quick. Yes. You find out that the CCG only investigated Anteku because Kaneki worked there, not because of the tip the mysterious tip that they get so they're just kind of trying to connect the dots and that's why they start investigating on t on teku so it's a hundred percent because of kaneki Mm -hmm. okay yep no other reasons hide admits to amon that he and kaneki are best friends because amon starts asking questions and he's like yep we're best friends that's really all there's nothing much more to it so let's see sachi that is the mustache guy the japanese mustache guy i I did write his name down eventually (laughs) so then when kaneki went to the house where so basically the mansion where the doctor scientist lives the team ran into the twins and algiri tree and sachi was waiting for kaneki so they have another fight 
essentially. I already told you about Utah. The fight with the twins and Juzu happens in the mansion. So where Algiri Tree and Kaneki are is where that fight happens. So it happens in the in the basement or well, the underground passageway of the mansion, not in the prison. Okay, so basically just a different location. Yep. And then, so during the fights with the failed ghouls is where Kaneki turns into his centipede form for the first time. And they call it, um, they say it's about 50% complete. So you remember me talking about that super powerful, so it's, they're all in one Kagure and it's about 50% of the, like the super mutation thing, like the one-eyed owl. So they would call that a complete and Kaneki is 50%. Okay. So he still has yet to absorb a couple more types. Of- uh, no, it's more, he has yet to fully develop it. Oh, okay. So he has, he just doesn't have full control. He doesn't. Yep, it, it's more. Up it, it kind of think of it like Kaioken times twenty, right before Goku turns Super Saiyan all the way. Like it's that pre-stage before actually going all the way is what it really is. Okay. Uh, so we find out that six months of it's been six months since the fight with Jason and the mansion fight. So the, yeah, about six months has passed. Uh, I'd probably say it's about halfway. And in those six months, Kaneki has been basically sparring slash training and eating ghouls to get stronger. Oh, yep. so he's just straight up eating yep. like anything and everything? Uh, it just says he's eating ghouls. Okay. So probably, well, they, they do mention that cannibalism is the most proficient way to get stronger right so um it, it kind of begs the question like why isn't that more of why isn't that more of a common practice amongst because, the ghouls because it's disgusting they hate it yeah it'd be like eating your the food that makes you want to throw up okay and then just eating it anyway so well, okay i guess you just leave that to the most determined yep so it's if you're yeah, you could say the same thing about Toka on why she's eating human food. It's essentially the same thing where it's okay. it all wants to come up, but you're eating it instead. But instead of making you weaker, it makes you stronger. Okay, yeah, okay, I can follow that. Um, the When Amon goes to attack Kaneki, when Kaneki is eating Shonohara's Queen K, because that's what he's eating. He's not trying to eat Shonohara. He's only trying to devour the Queen K because remember, the queen k is a part of a ghoul it's part of the ghoul so it's he's essentially trying to eat the ghoul itself and juso is actually there to help fight with amon just a slight difference but nothing really too crazy and shonohara and amon have a conversation and he says that the as we know kaneki was trying not to eat shonohara like he could tell that the ghoul that was eating his queen k was trying not to eat him right yeah so he's trying to keep shinohara alive because kaneki doesn't want humans Yes. So he's trying, like, Kaneki's human side was trying to keep himself in check. He's actively resisting just devouring the human. Okay. That's 
sitting underneath his queen k okay. which also helps kind of like play into the what are you doing with a moan because remember a moan is questioning why Kaneki is doing what he's doing because he didn't want to fight a moan that first time they fought and didn't want to actually kill him and then he's doing these things that don't make sense as far as a ghoul is concerned right because most ghouls are Killing humans. Yeah, why why bother? If you're going to eat the Queen K, why not just eat the whole person? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the CCG finds out that there's actually two owls. So they do come up with that conclusion. When Hinami goes to Takatsuki to get the autograph but to her, yeah. the author, um, Kaneki is actually with her when it happens. Okay, so does she recognize no. Kaneki right away? Nope. She doesn't. Well, she doesn't give off any indication that she does. Okay. He's just there. And she asks, like, ooh, is that your boyfriend? And she's like, no, it's just my friend. Okay, so I guess as far as the manga goes, maybe this Takatsuki, the one who's dressed up in the red-hooded ghoul-looking, like old-school ghoul-looking look, she hasn't necessarily seen Kaneki at this point? Or has... Maybe. Or has... Because in the anime, they've definitely, like, seen each other. The, in the manga, have they not seen each other? Um, Takatsuki is the author. Right. I mean, okay... So Kaneki has not seen Takatsuki as the human form underneath the bandages. So Takatsuki knows who Kaneki is, but Kaneki doesn't know who Takatsuki really is. Correct. So in that moment, is Takatsuki playing off? You you don't know. I mean, you could attempt to assume, but you really don't know. Okay. Because they make zero mention of it at all. Uh, Then you find out the manager is actually the one that founded Algiri Tree. Whoa, really? Yes. Didn't see that coming. Um, but it, I mean, it's slightly different. And the manager is also essentially being the fall guy for the one-eyed owl. Okay. Because he knows that it is his child that is doing all these horrific things. Right. So he's trying to basically repent for his previous crimes. Okay. So nothing. I mean, that kind of sounds like a Japanese thing to do. So. Yes. <laughs> um, you see that Kaneki goes to Yuta to talk to him about Anteku and the manager, because at this point is when Kaneki finds out that the manager basically starts Algiri Tree. Uh-huh. So he's like, hey, what the fuck? Because Algiri Tree is a super evil organization, even compared to ghouls. So he just kind of wants to know what's going on. Amon did 7,800 push-ups, by the way. Oh, is that what the manga yes. said? Yeah, 7,800. Okay. Just to kind of go off our conversation. That's a lot. Right. It's- and we talked about that plenty. So. We talked about it way too much. A lot of push-ups in one night. You find out that Yuta was actually the manager of the fourth ward. Okay. Uh, just kind of cool background information. And Yomo gets saved by the manager when he was young, which is why Yomo does the, basically is the worker, bodyguard, servant person to the manager. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry to bring this back. Uh, which character was Yuta again? Yuta is the person that makes all the masks. Okay. So the one with all the tattoos on his face and neck. And you actually find out that Yuta uh, neck tattoo means. So it's Latin for I cannot live with you nor without you. Okay. Interesting. Then to kind of continue on. So you remember when Hide and Toka meet at the college? Hide actually recognizes Toka. Like it's not just, oh, you like Kana? 
Kane, are you kind of, are, it's, they're talking about, he brings up Kaneki somehow. I don't remember exactly how he does it. Well, in the anime, Toka walks up to a wall and Hide rips down a poster of like a most wanted poster of. That still happens. Yeah. Okay. And then she's just there and he, he recognizes her. I don't remember if he calls her by name. No, he doesn't. But like, like we talked about earlier, he definitely brings her to a coffee shop in the anime. Yep. Because he knows everyone's a ghoul. Like, they don't spell that out for you. Yep. But at the same time, if you think about it, we know we know that he knows kind and, of thing. Like, And he's smart enough to put two and two together. Right. And then Kaneki, or excuse me, Hide tells Toka that whenever Kaneki is hiding something, he moves his left hand to his chin. Yeah, they, they say that in the anime. They do? Okay, I, I must have missed that one, which is fine. It, it's something so stupid to say in the anime, but that's why it took a couple... Like what well, we watched, I, I I watched season two two times, and I listened to it an additional time. Like yeah, yeah, it's something so stupid to say, but at the same time, like if you think about it, like that just means that like they know each other. Yep. They know their quirks and stuff. Yep. Um, so when Kaneki goes to talk to the manager, he knows who the leader of Algiri Tree was and that it was the manager's child also to part of the reason oh um kaneki goes back to anteku to talk to the manager about his child about the manager's child like he wa- he just wants to know more information about it um then the one-eyed owl gets severely hurt which is why the manager essentially takes the place of the one-eyed owl and at that time are they both considered like on par with each other are they both owl like probably was, close enough where they they can pass it off it was easy enough to look like each other to do so yeah okay, i can let that happen the only probably difference was the almost the ruthlessness but you can kind of play that off as well and the ccg had assumptions that the owl so Algiri Tree's hideout was on Teku. So that is why they're going to attack the 20th Ward is because they believe that Algiri Tree is headed in out uh on Teku. Okay. So just kind of it, it brings reasoning to why they're going into the 20th Ward versus being like, well, we have to attack the 20th Ward. Here we go. And then on is attacking everybody. Like it's just kind of weird in the anime. Yeah, it's kind of like on was kind of like casualty like that it was like, "Oh, we're going to attack the 20th Ward. Well, we have to defend the 20th Ward because this is our territory." And it's like, "What? Well, no, you, you don't have to." And that's kind of how it made it seem. Yeah, it was just kind weird you get some backstory of juzo which was kind of cool a little bit more yep you find out that juzo was hung by hooks through his skin like he was just left there to hang by hooks by um big madam oh yeah she tortured the shit out of him and but didn't didn't you like it yes and no yes and no basically he was trying to appease her and and pain appeased her so he learned to like it kind of thing basically like a kind of like kaneki where a switch just kind of flicked and that's probably what happened to juzo okay it's super fucked um big madam turned juzo into a eunuch which i don't know if you know what that means uh she chopped off all his bits uh yeah she actually crushed them so that so that juzo would say his feminine-esque because she didn't want him to turn into basically a man oh and like overpower her in the future or something nope she wanted to she wanted him to be a woman so damn yeah so she basically crushed his balls so that because i think he was like 12 or 13 at the time yeah so pre- 
pubescent. Uh-huh. And so that's why he looks the way he does. Okay. So he still looks young slash feminine. Because he's a eunuch. Yep. Hasn't produced the testosterone. Yep. Sure. Um, you actually find out the code name of the organization that uh, Yushimura, so the manager, worked for, which was called V. Like, that's all they call it. Wait, which program? So Yushimura. So the you remember when they go into the backstory of him where he works for the secret organization? Okay, yeah. And he was, like, doing all his badass stuff? Yep. Uh, it is called the V. That is what the organization is called. Okay. Anything on that? No. Uh, he was just a thug? Yeah, essentially. Okay. Uh, probably the ghoul version of Yakuza. Okay. Um, the, so Kaneki was in his normal mode and he was sitting at a coffee house and some CCG doves were talking about a raid on Antaiku being probably drunk and a little too loud. And so that is how Kaneki knew about the raid that was happening on at Anteku. Okay. Then during the final raid, Kaneki is going after the Queen Kays, not Doves. So he's attacking Queen Kays and just kind of like knocking the Doves out. He's not attacking them in that manner. All in purpose of eating them afterwards or? Nope, just to kind of um, be the person that lives in both lives. Like he doesn't want to kill humans, but he also doesn't want his friends to die. Okay. So he's just basically impeding their ability to kill the ghouls because essentially all his friends were going to die. Because remember, the um, black dog and the devil ape were getting overpowered, and Kaneki essentially comes in and helps. Yeah. Um, the fight with Amon, he gets his Queen K suit because... Kaneki broke his old Queenke in the fight at the um, mansion. The thing that splits into two blades? Yes. Okay. Kaneki broke it. So now he's got uh, a new, more badass suit. Well, that's why he's got a super badass suit. Okay. Um, Juzo gets his leg cut off by the owl. Damn. Yep. So one and a half legs. That's all, all Juzo's got now. So after the fight between Amon and Kaneki, Kaneki flees into the sewers so he doesn't just kind of like because remember in that fight there's a shit ton of ccg members in the area so instead during the fight or after the fight kaneki gets into the sewer system and that's how he gets away makes okay. it slightly more realistic yeah and hide finds kaneki in the sewers and he's basically like well this is the only place that you could go that you'd be able to go without ccg members being there so and he they figure that out before a highly a highly classed group of individuals could think of what well, he is smart apparently <laughs> and the oh man i'm gonna butcher his name so narakumi narakami excuse me he's the guy with the needle blade oh the white hair guy yep the white hair guy so that fight happens in the tokyo ghoul manga not necessarily in re because remember in re you only see them kaneki and and them fighting in that one. Okay. So that actually happens in the in the Tokyo Ghoul manga. Um, and you also see Narakami fighting the One-Eyed Owl. And you do see the One-Eyed Owl again, but you don't. Uh, you can't really make out who it is. So you you still don't know up to this point who the One-Eyed Owl is by the end of by the end Rudy. of the manga. Yep. Okay. Interesting. So and that's everything. That's all eight pages of notes that I have. I mean, that's a shit ton of information. That was a lot of information that I understand people's disdain for season two or Rude, whatever you would like to call it, because it's just way too different. 
It really is. Um, you probably could have easily made another season out of all the information that, like, if you wanted to add filler or something along those lines, sure. But it, it's just the difference in information could have easily equal about another season. Yes. Okay. Or you could have just stayed true to the manga, or better, <laughs> better true to the manga. That's a terrible sense. Um, you could have stayed closer to the manga, and people would have been more happy because it was just like the biggest thing. Why did they make Kaneki join Algiri Tree? Um, because yeah. I mean, I can understand like the pros and cons, like the what if scenario. I guess I'm trying to say. Yep. Like, yeah, I like that kind of a concept, but like when it comes the biggest fights between manga and anime is always going to be what's true to canon. Yep. And when the anime flips like this, like it, it, tr- it truly fucks everything up. Yeah. That, that's just the biggest thing. Like all the other changes weren't all that crazy. Like you could have had the fight, you could have had Kaneki go to the prison for whatever reason, but it's just why make Kaneki a part of Valkyrie tree? Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it goes against Kaneki. Yeah. Because in the anime, like without an absolute reason, without any thought process that we saw as viewers, he just did it. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, I want to save my friend, so I'm going to join the group of people that tried to kill them." Exactly. Like, so I can stop them from killing my friends. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. And like the episode prior, you were my enemy. Nothing happens, and, and then I'm gonna join you guys. Like no introduction. Like hey, n- like no conversation happened in between that. Like yeah. let us say like okay like i can see that someone wants to go somewhere whatever just no conversation happened it was zero to 60 it was even worse than that it was zero to a million yeah you killed jason so now you take his place even though you don't like us it's like that doesn't make sense all right right it's like anime logic can only go so far like fuck <laughs> that that one's pedal to the metal yeah i still enjoy season two i'm glad i read the manga i understand people's complaints it doesn't make me dislike season two it's just i wish i would have stayed closer to the manga yeah and i and i guess all in all i, I can agree with you on that the anime was still fine it yes. was still enjoyable yes but there was still bits and pieces that should have been explained a little bit better yep like i'm very curious because i haven't read re if you find out more about rize at this rate i would hope so because this, that's a huge plot point that the anime kept out yes so I would hope that they would go further in depth in that um so one thing that i didn't mention is that like kaneki attempts to talk to Rize and she's almost in this like pseudo coma-esque state where she doesn't do anything so he's like basically begging and pleading for her to talk and getting all pissed off that she's not and yomo's like it's not gonna work she's not gonna talk to you so you get that part but that's really the only interaction between kaneki and rize that you get okay yeah that's that's really everything um anything else you want to say about the manga in comparison not really uh it was great to hear and i'm glad i did how this just makes me more interested in what happens in re and yep how things change from there yep uh thank you everybody for listening to that manga mentions hope you hope everyone enjoys it